Hello and bienvenido San Antonio. Welcome to the Alamo Hour, discussing the people, places, and passion that make our city. My name is Justin Hill, a local attorney, a proud San Antonioan, and keeper of chickens and bees. On the Alamo Hour, you'll get to hear from the people that make San Antonio great and unique and the best kept secret in Texas. We're glad that you're here. All right, welcome to episode 21 of the Alamo Hour. Today's guest is Jesse Mata, and we had some technical difficulties, so we're back on uh, take two. Welcome back. Uh, Jesse works at USA, and importantly for this episode, he's King Anchovy 55 for Corneation. Uh, previously, he's written scripts for Corneation. He's been involved for years. Uh, the Current said you were one of the most influential people in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, the influential gay people. That's an important caveat. Oh, was that the thing? A pink, a pink asterisk, yeah. I didn't see Unless that. there's another article I don't know about. Well, I just saw Most Influential 2015 and, and saw you. Yeah. Um, you've had a lot of involvement in Corneation. That's where I met you. Corneation's raised over $2 million. We're going to spend some time talking about Corneation. Um, okay, Jesse, so I do this with all the guests. We'll do a top 10 list. It's kind of a, a short. Uh, I asked one guy how he moved to San Antonio. He went on for seven minutes, so... Don't do that to me. <laughs> no, that is not an interesting story. It's a tragic story. If you have like a like a a, a sorrowful version of this podcast, we can. Well, that story. well, now I don't know if I want to ask. Uh, the first question well, I was going to ask is, when did you move to San Antonio? I moved back to San Antonio. So I, I grew up in San Antonio. I'm a San Antonio native. My parents grew up in San Antonio as well. I have a long history here. My family does as well. Um, I left in 93 after I graduated from health careers and went off to Baylor University. Uh, and then I came back in 1997, um, four years later, but that doesn't necessarily mean I had a degree, uh, and started work and started my adult life uh, back in San Antonio. Okay. So you've lived here straight ever since? Yeah. Yeah. Since uh, September of 1997. All right. Um, what high school did you go to? Health careers. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, rising from the ashes. <laughs> that's all. That's, the, so, that's part of the alma mater. <laughs> so next question in your picture in the current, you had a dog. What's the dog's name? Yeah. Yes. What's his name? I have a pug. I have, well, actually I have two dogs to be fair, not to give short shrift to the Empress Dowager Keiko, but the, <laughs> the dog that was in the shoot was Gizmo. That's okay. our pug. Gizmo Atreides is his full name. All right. Which tells you everything you need to know about my, my uh, literary preferences. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's a great guy, curmudgeon, middle-aged. Pug and what else? A pug and a great Dane. Oh, geez. They get yes. along? I'm sorry? Do they get along? They do get along. They're okay. best friends. Yeah. Right. At first, whenever we got Gizmo, he was maybe about this big, maybe fit in the palm of your hand. Sure. And the great Dane wanted nothing to do with him. Um, I, he, he was not even as big as her snout. So I'm sure that part of that calculus was she figured she might destroy him, you know, with a paw or a tail <laughs> or what have you. But uh, ever since then, they've become closest friends. They snuggle together. They do play together or what have you. All right. Um, what are your favorite hidden gems in the city? The kind of things that, you know, only us locals know, but when you have a tourist friend come, you say, you got to go check this thing out. Uh, you know, it's so tough because, I mean, are there really any hidden gems left anymore with social media and influencers and all that kind of stuff? I would say that the last hidden gems that I, I really enjoy, are, it's probably food. Like, look at me, obviously, okay. I'm, a, I'm a fan of food, right? Uh, but, you know, places like Maria's Cafe or Garcia's uh, Mexican Food to Go, um, those would have been my old answers, but those are hardly secrets anymore. But it's, it's really those kind of places, the, the mom and pop places, the, the small businesses, 
Um, you build relationships with them over time. They recognize you, you're, you know, you're on a first name basis. Um, so that's certainly part of the experience, right? Uh, but those are probably some of my, my favorite kinds of places, all food related. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of food answers. A Filipino restaurant on Calabra was uh, two guests ago. Lupina's. That's a, well, that is a secret. Yeah. I, I want to know that. But yeah. had you ever been, have you ever been to Denman Estate Park? I think is what Ron Nuremberg yes. said. I'd yes, never heard of it. A very good friend of mine lived uh, right on the, around the corner from that park okay. in Mockingbird. I think it's called Mockingbird Estates or Mockingbird Hills or something like that. I'd never uh, heard of it. He, uh, yeah, he and his his uh, husband lived there uh, for a number of years in a couple of different houses there. It's right behind Ken's, these great old kind of like 60s and 70s split level yeah. um, uh, kind of garden homey type things. Okay. But yeah, Denman Park is, is gorgeous. What about Jack White Trail? That's another one that I'd never heard of. I've never heard of that. What, what okay. time is that? I don't know. It's over by Salado Creek. I haven't been there. What kind of host are you? you well, I mean, I'm getting good are. information. And if you had listened to that episode, then maybe you would have learned. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so my the cousin, point, uh, there are some still hidden gems. Barron Cave. I've never been okay. there. Okay. Uh, is that yeah. in San Antonio? Uh, yeah. Kind of in the Alamo Heights, Northwood area. Oh, they just opened it up like two years ago for the first time in a long time. I read about it. Officially, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and apparently on Incarnate Words campus, there is like a like the origin of the San Antonio River. You can look down in like a hole and see it. Right, the blue hole, yeah. There, well, you've got it all There's figured another out. one of those on the strip, but that's a different thing. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, well, that's good for the next question. Favorite corneation moment? Favorite corneation moment? Um, hmm. Well, you know, I got food poisoning once during coronation. So for, for a personal coronation moment, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, so I had a bad subway. There used to be a subway <laughs> kind of near the theater. And uh, I ended up getting sick like immediately before we went on the first show on a Thursday night and uh, continued to, to be ill throughout the evening. In fact, immediately before the last performance and then immediately after I came off stage, I was in the, sorry, Crown Club. I was in your bathroom uh, committing atrocities. Uh, but, uh, but I will say Angela Rubin was an angel. She brought me little ice chips and a cup and sat me in a little recliner backstage and, and I was okay. The show must go on, right? Yeah, that's at least, a- at least I didn't puke on stage. That's, that's a real trooper. <laughs> yeah, that's the achievement. Um, that I'm sure that leads to other things, but we'll get there later. Are you a reader, which you already covered? So this is perfect question. And if so, what are you reading now? Did we freeze? Sorry, Justin, you're waking up a little bit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that question? You kind of, yeah. Are you a reader? And if so, what are you reading now? Um, you know, I am normally a reader. I think this pandemic has kind of, kind of thrown me for a loop. So most of what I've been doing lately has been gardening. Okay. Uh, so anything that I've been reading has been about how to best, uh, you know, kind of like compose your plant bed soil and how to fertilize and when to, to uh, harvest your, your, uh, your, your vegetables and fruits. Any Howard Garrett books? Many what? I'm sorry. Any Howard Garrett books like the dirt doctor? No, no, no that's, yeah. that's another source for me to look. I'm into. a big fan of Howard Garrett. He's an organic guy. He's all about the soil. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. You know, I, so I've done a lot of kind of like Texas gardener type reading for kind of like things that do well locally. Sure. But I've also found that local shops like um, Evergreen Garden or Rainbow Garden are awesome. Yeah. I mean, it kind of like speaks to the, to the power of a relationship with local business, right? Uh, they've been excellent um, uh, 
kind of like tutors or, or guides yeah. in terms of how to set up gardens and, and kind of like the right products to buy and, and the right things to take into consideration. So just a plug for them. Uh, but, I, but normally I am a reader. Some of my favorite authors, uh, like Gore Vidal, a lot of his nonfiction stuff and his fiction mm-hmm. stuff. Lincoln is probably one of my favorite books of all time. Just some uh, light reading. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, it, you know, it sounds bad, right? It sounds dense and thick and all that kind of stuff, but especially those kind of narrative fictional biographies, yeah. um, that it's, it's, it's not, ch- it reads like a soap opera, yeah. right? I mean, it's just, it's really intriguing and it provides a little kind of fictionalized uh, color to, to the events of the day. Um, but also like Frank Herbert, you know, like sci-fi, the Dune series I and mean, okay. that sort of stuff I really get into. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like a varied palette. But honestly, I've just been wanting to get my hands in the dirt for the past couple of months. So I have it. My yard is a certified monarch habitat and Rainbow Garden helped me set Beautiful. all that up. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else that you're big involved in like corneation outside of your job in corneation? Um, over the years, I've been, uh, you know, involved and interested in different organizations and kind of chipped in behind the scenes or, um, you know, just in, in different ways. I, I, I uh, volunteered some with the Southwest School of Art for a okay. number of years. Um, and you can probably hear my pug whining back there <laughs> in the background. Um, yeah, so that was a great experience. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge, in, hugely into art in terms of not only um, visual art, musical art, being a patron, being a, a supporter, being a collector, just in any way that I can get involved in the local art scene. So the, my involvement with the Southwest School was, was fantastic. It was a real learning experience for me. Got to, to meet some fantastic people. Um, I'm really thankful to Michael Westheimer, a good friend of mine, uh, and Elaine Wolf for kind of like bringing me into that Southwest School family. Um, and, and, you know, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, other organizations, like I've worked with Thrive a little bit behind the scenes, kind of in their, uh, kind of their salad days or their, their early stages when they were kind of thinking about how to become a, a nonprofit entity and, and really kind of, you know, bring a board on and all that kind of stuff. So that was a really rewarding experience to be able to, to, to get to know Sandra Whitley and Chelsea Berkowitz and a lot of the different folks who were invested in Thrive and, yeah. and really kind of uh, helped build the foundation for the success that, that, that it is today. Um, so those have probably been my, my principal uh, involvements. Um, yeah, but I mean, corneation, frankly, takes so much out of you for five <laughs> or six months out of the year that it's like I, I'm going to coast for the next couple of months before I have to start <laughs> the planning exercise for next year. And how many years have you been involved with Fiesta, uh, with corneation? With Coronation's 18 years, Whoa. pretty soon after I moved back to San Antonio. Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I misspoke earlier. It was 99, not 97. Okay. I apologize for that. Um, that, uh, oh, you know, I was right. It's 97. 99 is when I started working at USAA. But in the, those first couple of years after I moved back, I found that even in just the four years I'd been gone, the city had changed pretty significantly. I mean, it seemed like there, it was on kind of like the beginning of the upswing that saw us through kind of like the 2000s and, and the 20 teens up until now, um, kind of in parallel with Austin's rapid growth at the same time. Uh, so when I moved back to town and especially after I got started to work, um, you know, it was kind of like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing, right? Like I found a house, I found a job, and then I wanted to figure out, well, that I can give community or what are ways that I can get to know people. Um, and I had always loved Fiesta as a kid, 
And I, it was, I think it was April of 2000 was the first time I got back into Fiesta in a big way, joined the commission to get my little year pin and all that crap. And then I, I was introduced to corneation uh, and some friends had been and recommended that I go. And so for a couple of years, I went and was just blown away, just like, you know, it was riotous. You know, I'd never seen something like that in person before. I mean, the closest had been, um, I forget what the hell it's called at Baylor. I think it's called Sing. It's like this big tradition yeah. where all the, you know, like organizations for who never put on little skits, kind of like corneation, except like not funny. Uh, so very G-rated. Huh? Very G-rated. <laughs> very, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, very G-rated. Um, so corneation was a completely different experience for me, you know? Not only was it the kind of humor that I would, you know, that I appreciate, but it was also smart, you know? It had political opinions, it had, um, you know, like insider references that you would kind of sort of like had to be in the know or had to, to at least follow news or what have you to, to understand. And so that really, really struck a nerve with me and, and got me back into Fiesta in a big way. And so have you been working with Corneation ever since? Yeah, so I went for a couple of years and then I was standing outside in line with my then partner and one of my acquaintances from work whom, I, whom I'd met very recently uh, named Rod Gonzalez, uh, he saw us in line as we were waiting to go in and he, he was the script writer for Corneation and his partner at the time also did some skits. Right. And so uh, we were talking with him and he, he was just making conversation and we indicated that, you know, hey, we'd both love to, to help out in Corneation some way. And he said, okay. I'm going to hold you to that. And so then the very next year, we got roped into um, a skit with uh, Elaine Wolf's brother, Matt Wolf, and Stephen Warner, and some other folks. And so we helped design the choreography. We helped build the costumes. And so 2003, it was the Duchess of Your Ever-Widening Ass. It was when Krispy Kreme came to town. Okay. Uh, and the Duchess was this beautifully adorned kind of Star Wars, the Phantom Menace-looking uh, donut queen with these giant, like, inner tubes things that have been painted to look like donuts for her hair um yeah so that was my first year and I, I all i was doing was handing off props and street clothes and i was just nervous as shit but uh, who was anchovy that year hmm? who was the anchovy that year lifshitz oh yeah i don't yeah i don't remember it's been so long okay ago. and and i was so new to it right like i didn't know who anchovy was from anybody else from the sure. pointless sister. So do you like corn? I love corn. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. I what don't need it all that much? Cause it's kind of empty calories, <laughs> right? But sorry, corn producers. What's your favorite uh, fiesta event outside of corneation? This is tough because it's been so many years since I've been able to do any fiesta events. Uh, but I like the Mercado, like yeah. that's my family used to go there. Uh, my friends Mindy uh, Hill and I will go on occasion, well, actually most every year around Corneation, you know, that Wednesday of Corneation will usually make time to go down to the Mercado. But uh, King William Fair, of course, I love King William Fair. And that one I can actually do because I've recovered enough after <laughs> the shows. Yeah. Uh, but I, ha like, I haven't done Niosa in 18 years, 19 years. What about Arts really Fair? Oh, sure. Yeah. The Fiesta yeah. Arts Fair is fantastic. I think yeah. that's my favorite event. Yeah. That, that is normally at the weekend before uh, Corneation. Yeah. And so there's 
essentially no way that I can go because it's usually I'm working on the script or hot gluing something with glitter and styrofoam or, you know, whatever. So, but as anchovy, you'll have to go, you know, hold court and go to all those things. I won't will. You? Yeah. That's actually the benefit to me of being anchovy. <laughs> so I can finally do some fiesta stuff. Okay. Who would you like to see of all the San Antonio people get on stage at Corneation one year? Oh, <laughs> I mean, so like most notable people, most politicians or what have you kind of want to be on stage. Yeah. So it's not like you have to, it's not like you have sure. to work real hard to invite them. Right. Cause they'll find, they'll find a way backstage. Um, but, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Hagee. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, no. It'd be like me going into his temple. Either way, it's going to smell like pork skins, you know, <laughs> that skin's going to boil. Uh, who but I like to see on stage Popovich. I'd love to see Popovich. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'd lo- oh, did you freeze? No. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah. No, Popovich is a good one. Popovich is on my wish list for my show, which I'm sure I'll never get him, but I'm going to keep trying. No. Yeah. No, we'll never get him either. It's no. all right. It's okay. Okay. Let's talk about it. What is Corneation? What is the background? Yeah. So Corneation originally was um, kind of folks who worked in and around the San Antonio Little Theater, uh, local designers, hairdressers, actors, whomever, folks that are involved in the theater community came together to put on a pageant and it was uh, held at Arneson River Theater. And it was um, a, just a kind of like a, a, a very, uh, irreverent celebration, much like it is today, lampooning uh, the, the cultural topics of the day, things like the development of the interstate system or the Kennedy family being so large and Catholic, you know, things that you, know, would, you wouldn't necessarily make fun of now or maybe not in the exact same way. Uh, but it was the same kind of thing. It was meant to be a way to poke fun at the establishment. Uh, and, and frankly, it was um, kind of like a clash of cultures, right? Because you had this, you had it in the middle of Niosa, right? Like in the middle of establishment fiesta, this sort of um, very irreverent uh, thumb in your eye uh, event that was going on as an official part of, part of the event, part of the, the larger Niosa event. So, you know, as you can imagine, over time, tensions build in that kind of situation. And I think ultimately, you know, there was a, a situation involving nudity on stage mm. that I think provided a pretty uh, a welcome excuse for coordination to be booted out of NIOSA. Uh, and, you know, Amy Stone, Dr. Amy Stone over at Trinity uh, wrote a fantastic book about coordination uh, and kind of like the, the detailed, detailed history of it. I mean, she got access to the old programs, some huh. of the old scripts, original films and photos and stuff. And it's just a fantastic book that's available through uh, Trinity University Press. So I recommend that for anybody who has any interest in kind of like the deep, detailed history uh, of coordination. Okay. And, and then, um, so many years pass, and then it's revived kind of in a halting form at the Via Fontana Ballroom, uh, which, you know, isn't a tremendous success, but then it eventually finds its way back to, um, you know, various iterations in the 80s at the, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, 
uh, Beethoven Hall, the Magic Theater, also to uh, the Bonham Exchange, the ballroom at the Bonham Exchange and the, 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 um, the upstairs area, uh, and eventually finds its way to the Empire Theater, uh, where it is today, where it's run for the past, what, like 18 or 19 years, with the exception of the year that we got fucked by the Lion King. Uh, and the Lion <laughs> King came and took over everything, that whole majestic empire complex and we were uh, we held our event at Sunset Station. Is that which, right? Yes, we did. As you can imagine, was not the ideal venue, uh, especially when we had trains, freight trains coming through in the middle of the show. We had a torrential downpour uh, during one of the performances. No, uh, no dressing rooms, no backstage area. So yeah, that was that was awesome. Was that oh seven, oh eight, oh nine? That was oh five. Okay. 05. Because I remember one time the Lion King came through here, but part of Corneation was also poking fun at the cornea- the coronation and the, the coronation, fiesta yeah. royalty, right? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, and that was really the conceit behind how the pageant was structured. So you have uh, the the original pageant was the or, the the, um, the order of the crack salad bowl, right? So every skit was a component of the salad so you had the lettuce and you had the tomatoes and the onions and the whatever and the last thing on the salad is the anchovy right the anchovies on top right not my salads but somebody's salads especially in the 50s so uh you have this kind of like uh each skit you have a system where each skit is a duchess or a queen or a vice empress or what have you all laying forth entertainment for king anchovy for that year and so in that way we kind of poke fun at the the uh <laughs> what, what word does one use the uh the, the rigorous traditions the the pomposity <laughs> of all of that kind of coronation stuff and but you know it's funny because you know over the years i think people outside of corneation have tried to flog this idea of a rivalry between corneation or coronation or that corneation has some kind of ill will when it when it's like it couldn't be further from the truth i mean like we're running our own show and in fact on Wednesday nights and on the late show you see a whole <laughs> and so but you know take of that what you will you said on Wednesday night you see the whole what oh I said at Wednesday nights at the late performance you see a whole lot of tuxes and gowns in our audience ah, so, <clears throat> from after one of the other after, yeah. yeah or Sometimes in the early show when they just can't endure the coronation anymore and it's like they come over for a cocktail or something. For the I show. think I've only been to the late Thursday shows and it's always just been a little blurry. Um, so the funny thing, the whole, the whole like who likes what shows because, you know, like everybody goes for the Thursday night late tickets. That's like immediate sellout. You've yeah. got to be there. you got to see and be seen. But honestly, the Wednesday night late show, probably one of the better shows in terms of like preparedness and people like scenery not being broken and people <laughs> not being broken by yeah. the end of the run of the show. And then also the Tuesday early show, a lot of people go because it's like the dress rehearsal, yeah. you know, because like anything can happen and it usually does from mics failing to, well, to lots of different stuff. So, so and yeah. when I wanted to talk to you about that, so every every skit sort of has a group that has been behind that skit. It seems like for years, how is that kind of broke out and how are those created? Um, so I like to think of it in terms of, you know, how in New Orleans and, and other places that celebrate Mardi Gras, you got crews, right? 
So the, the family that forms around any given corneation skid is kind of functions kind of like just a very small crew, right? There's like 10 to 15 people involved. Ultimately, you can only put 10 people on stage, but generally you have other people who help you with your music or with your costumes or with your props or what have you. And so each of these little groups of people sort of becomes a little corneation family. And generally it's the same people who come back year after year, although, Sometimes, you know, a designer will decide that they don't want to do it anymore and either someone within their group will kind of decide that they want to take over and on, you know, continue building on that tradition. Or sometimes a group will cycle out and then, you know, a new entrant will come in. And so part of what I've tried to do over the years is try to continuously infuse new folks into the corneation mix. Because uh, I, don't, I don't want us to become kind of like drunk on the smell of our own farts, you know what I mean? Like, let's get some diverse voices, let's get some diverse experiences uh, and backgrounds in order to help us kind of keep with the times in order to appeal to, to as wide uh, an informed audience as we can. Uh, and so that there is some some of that change over time, like 10 or 20% maybe kind of every year new folks coming in. But then you also have that that huge core of families. Uh, and then, you know, like the kind of the the the, the amalgam all, of all that is the, the larger corneation family. But I think the commonality among all of those folks is that, you know, obviously we know we're all volunteers. We don't we don't get into this to get rich or famous, right? We all want to tell stories and make people laugh, and we all want to support the community in some way or the other, either because we've been through these situations personally or because we know people who've suffered from HIV AIDS or from youth homelessness or from any of the other kind of myriad missions that our charities address. So uh, yeah, there's, there's that common drive, and I think it, like, it helps us weather you know some bullshit and adversity in order to get the project done and, and to, to help make a difference you know it always reminds me like a raunchier version of like esther follies in in austin where you're kind of hitting on current topics a lot of local stuff a lot of national stuff but it's funny you sort sort of said we don't want to you know get drunk on our own farts but there is i have been to shows where i think oh that's hilarious and i've been to shows where i think oh that's funny to them like yeah. <laughs> to the people on stage, that's funny, but I don't know what's going on. So you see that mix among the groups. Another thing that's always kind of been uh, something I don't understand, the tickets seem impossible to get. Some seem allocated. The tables are already spoken for. How does all that work? Uh, I mean, I will go into excruciating detail with you um, <laughs> so that there are no misunderstandings. So there are no like pre sale blocks of the regular tickets, kind of like orchestra or balcony or mezzanine. Those are just sold kind of as normal. We do have allocations of premium seating, like the tables up front, and those are generally on a wait list that graduates year to year. Okay. So you have much in the same way as the people who are in the show, you've got long-term sponsors who've given you know, very generously over the years and they retain kind of like the first right of refusal. But we also have wait lists so that we always have much in the same way as the crew, we have like new blood coming in to kind of to, to kind of help support the show. So those are the tables. We have boxes that are kind of handled in the same way, uh, and then we have the the corny. Board. 
fantastic job of, man uh, of managing that block of seats. But other than those kind of like premium seats that we sell ahead of time, uh, you know, with special bonuses like medals or what have you, um, the, uh, everything else is kind of like first come first serve. Uh, and that's why you have that lottery system at the Majestic. That's why you have folks who wait in line at the commission because they know that, you know, like the, the best way to get those tickets is for the hour that they're available for in-person sale before they go on sale for, through Ticketmaster and the various online details. It's got to be one of the hardest tickets to get for any Fiesta event. This is a very common myth. So it's kind of like we talked about earlier about some people have their preferences for certain shows. The Thursday night late show sells out right away. Yeah. Then Thursday early, then Wednesday early, and, so, and then Tuesday early. And so there are almost always going to be seats available on Tuesday and Wednesday late. Huh. They might be mez, they might be balcony, but you might be able to find some you know, back orchestra. The reality is, is that as much of a party, a citywide party as Fiesta is, we're still talking about school nights, right? Yeah. Tuesday night and Wednesday night, like most people don't have Thursday off or, or any of the, most people, you know, if they have a day off, they're gonna, it's gonna be Friday. So of course the biggest demand is gonna be for Thursday. And the light show's late. It's like 10 o'clock, right? It's 10 o'clock, yeah. <laughs> so you're getting out of there, like we're, we get it. By the time we clear out the theater on Thursday, it's like, you know, one in the morning by the time we're totally said and done. Um, so yeah, so there are always going to be tickets. It just might be like on a Tuesday, Wednesday late, which again, some of the better shows, right? Because you've got the prep and people haven't quite, haven't quite fallen apart over the run of the show. And how would you describe backstage? Um, <laughs> it, de it, de it depends on the eye of the beholder, right? Okay. So for me, I don't get to see much of backstage anymore because I'm usually either at the, you know, kind of the back of the house at the soundboard watching what's going on or hosting or doing whatever the hell I'm doing for the show. Back in the day when I was a performer in a skit and which I would say most of the people are backstage, that's, it's, it's a party, right? Like yeah. it's a fun time. It's a time to be able to hang out with your friends. It's a time to be able to get to know different people from different skits. And something that we talked about earlier, Tuesday early being a dress rehearsal, that's very much the case, you know, like these folks haven't really hung out or seen each other probably since the last corneation, you know, like the, the groups, certainly within the groups, people tend to hang out or maybe a couple groups at a time. But a lot of times it's like a family reunion slash, you know, summer camp slash party that you're throwing for all of San Antonio. So it's, it's very much raucous, high energy party kind of approach. Uh, lots of drinking, which of course we always have to kind of like temper, you know, like, yay, we've got a show to put on. You know, you, you, you've got to remember your, your jazz squares. Uh, so yeah, so, so it, it can be a pretty, pretty uh, vibrant party atmosphere. I met Jody and Steve at Fiesta Arts Fair. This was the year they were king and queen. Mm -hmm. That was king, my first. Both king. Oh yeah, both king, king, yeah. <laughs> so that was my first time to ever meet Jody or Steve. We became fast friends real quick. They bring me to Corneation. I'm backstage Thursday for the early show and sat up front for the late show. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what to expect. And I had just the greatest time. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody. What's the, what's the craziest thing you saw backstage? Oh, just. Virgin eyes. I mean, just sort of the no inhibitions. I mean, oh, everybody sure. was fully uninhibited from, from substances to nudity to everyone was friends. I mean, it was just this really cool feeling of everybody likes each other here and there was no ego to it. There was no putting on a show. Everybody just wanted to have a good time and hug each other. It was just a great time. 
it's an it's a total equalizer there i don't i personally don't don't think and i don't feel like i've endured any kind of ego or attitude from anybody i think everybody is very down to earth and very just like ready yeah you know know, no names i did see an elected official get escorted out one time back there (laughs) and then a different elected official who had called me a name in the newspaper uh we met backstage one time and he had no idea i was the guy he had called names in the newspaper so that was i mean i was i laughed about it but i wanted him to know hey i'm that guy you just called x y and z um officials are a mixed bag for me right because yeah you have to have this, well, <laughs> that, that's saying a mouthful, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like we have this weird relationship, right? Because these are the people that effectively we should be skewering um, on stage that we should be holding to account. And we do, you know, like many, many uh, skits have and continue to. I personally, I, I worry about the relationship with having folks uh, backstage and and honestly having folks on stage too uh, I think that it, it can kind of hinder our ability to have a, a, a sharp focus for our satirical lens but it but also that's, gives that's a, a philosophical it also gives a great opportunity to, for people to do dumb things on their own I mean the year that Kevin Wolf got on stage making mm-hmm. fun of his own DWI yeah. I just I mean honestly talk about tone deaf and you know making light of a really serious situation. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that was going on, but you know, for corneation, that's, I think that's a gold moment. Like this guy is doing this on his own. We're not making fun of him. It was very right. strange. I yeah. thought, um, but it's that kind of environment where people, I mean, there's a feeling of kind of eh, everything goes here. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that feeling. And you know, the interesting part about that relationship is that, you know, you, of course, it's a very well attended event, all kinds of folks come to, to, to watch. And so more than likely, uh, we will end up having at least once in every performance, someone in the audience being skewered on stage. And so for me, that's one of the best parts of the show. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, I have the biggest smile when that's going on. Because frankly, if you can sit in the audience, and you can smile, and you can laugh at yourself, then that's, I mean, that's a sign of a mature individual. That's a sign of somebody who uh, you know, has the, uh, the, the thickness of skin that's necessary. for. This. I feel like I was at the, the production when Ivy Taylor was there when the uh, non-discrimination ordinance stuff was mm-hmm. going on. And I remember that being, I thought was somewhat uncomfortable, but she was smiling and having fun. Yeah. What yeah. have been some of your favorite skits? Like you thought, man, this one really hit this issue really well. And we really knocked it out of the park on this. Uh, you know, my favorite corneation designers, you know, I have, I have kind of like favorites for different things. Um, I think John McBurney does amazing uh, costumes, amazing looks, amazing makeup. Uh, he's visually, his stuff has always blown me away. Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of his, his uh, skits in the past, like um, the, the flea market, the flea market purses, the counterfeit Louis Vuitton purses. Okay. All of his folks came out in these giant purse uh, get-ups. Uh-huh. Yeah. Each of them was a different kind of like a coin purse or whatever. Uh, and then all kind of danced together. He also did one where there was like a, it was like a tea, it was some kind of a pageant. It was some uh, Miss America pageant controversy, but every state he had the food item of that state in a giant headdress. <laughs> like Miss Kentucky had a, like a three foot tall bucket of chicken. That's Miss awesome. Idaho had like a five foot wide potato. It was just one of the wildest things I've seen. Um, and so, so I appreciate John for the visuals. In terms of kind of like the overall skits, 
Chris Sauter blows me away. Uh, I don't know if you know Chris. He's a uh-huh. visual artist. Uh, he's uh, uh, department uh, head at, at the Southwest School of Art. Very, you know, accomplished artist. He's shown all over the world. But his he uh, has been a designer in coordination for many years. Uh, he and his husband Rick Frederick uh, worked together and put on some just I mean just some amazing amazing skits. Uh, they did one on uh, Chris did one on gun control a few years back where there was sort of like an ammo sexual came out with like like a giant um, <laughs> what do you call it? like an anthropomorphic pistol with a giant. I do remember that. Yeah. So like uh-huh. just well, just the funniest <laughs> stuff, right? Um, but but his visuals. His, his use of music, his use of narrative, uh, really, it's just like powerful. It's gut punching every time, and it's usually towards the end of the to the of the show. So I have the privilege of watching just backstage or wherever I happen to be. And man, his stuff's brought me to tears, honestly, just because yeah. it's like so poetic, so powerful. Yeah. And each skit group has a court name, if I if I recall. Uh, it changes from year to year, yeah. so it depends upon the topic that they're doing. So they're styled as representing and it's some sarcastic way of, of referring to your topic. Um, the Duchess of whatever the title of your court is, and then it goes from there. And then the, 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 the royals in the first half of the show are duchesses, then after they're queens, and then it's vice empress and empress at the end. So how many different groups are there? It depends from year to year. We have, of course, the, the skits, uh, we, you know, have some type of like a drag or music, musical entertainment. It's not a gay show, by the way. I feel like I have to throw that remark in there on Ray Chavez's behalf. Um, but, you know, 14, 15 skits from year to year, because okay. of course the king has their own. Uh, and then we've had dance skits in the past as well. So we had ballet folks come. We had ballet folklorico last yeah, year. Yeah, I remember so, that. I mean, it was just beautiful. You know, we had some great skits. And are you the voiceover? We froze up a little bit. Are are you the are you the voiceover? Jesse, have you been beginning of the show? Yeah. Okay. Um I was gonna ask you this. Last year I didn't see the the drag queens. They usually have a big part in the uh the show. I didn't see them last year. Are you talking about the pointless sisters? Is that yeah, yes. Yeah, the yeah, the skit. Yeah, I mean like like I said earlier, we have a, like skits that have participated in the show over the years. And then every once in a while, a skit will just kind of like go off and do their own thing or just kind of grow out of the show. And then you have folks that come in and kind of take over after them. Uh, so we had the, like I said, the Ballet Folklorico last year, the Folklorico group that came and performed as entertainment yeah. for the thing. And they really just totally blew the audience away. So you'll continue to see that evolve. Um, we've tr- we've added different kinds of acts in entertainment. Like we've added musical acts for intermission in the past. That's how Allison Alonzo got involved with Corniation a few years ago. And now she's a firmly established designer. In fact, she won our Spirit Award trophy last year for her Fred's Fish Fry, uh, <laughs> Urs- Ursula the Sea Witch yeah. number. Uh, about Fred's not being a drug front. Uh, and so that's another thing. Every year we have a Spirit Award that's conveyed by the winner of the prior year to a skit from the current year that kind of best espouses like the spirit of corneation overall, whether it's 
however that group defines it, whether it's friendliness, whether it's, you know, just a fantastic skit, whether, you know, whatever the, the characteristics are that that's, that that team chooses to judge with, they hand it off. And it's kind of like a blessing, right? Because it's a big moment, but then it's like a curse because you have to take this big eight foot goddamn trophy home. <laughs> I had, when we won it a couple of years ago, I had to call an Uber XL. And this is when Uber was like verboten in the city. Yeah. So we had like an underground pirate Uber suburban taking us home with this thing. But <laughs> So if you win it, you take it home, and then you've got to add a layer to the trophy, and then you hand it off to the, to the next oh, person. Next so that's just kind of another one of the little back, yeah. background traditions that, that um, people don't know about. And one of my favorite things about Fiesta is every Fiesta event's a big fundraiser for something. And I think, I think the important thing about Fiesta Corniation is that it's a fundraiser for what used to be just the San Antonio Area AIDS Foundation, and now that's grown. Yeah, so since I came on board with Corniation, you know, a long time ago, the, the beneficiaries have changed from year to year, but they've all been kind of centered around the mission of HIV AIDS organizations and community support for the LGBT plus community. So currently, or the last time we gave out funds, it was the San Antonio AIDS Foundation, the Black Effort Against the Threat of AIDS, Beat AIDS, and also the Thrive Youth Center, who we've had a relationship with for a number of years. And we try to give donations that are either meant for, and they're all kind of like unrestricted gifts, but they're meant for the normal kind of operating routines of these organizations. All of them provide a compelling value case in terms of you know the, the value they return to the community for the charitable dollar. Uh, Thrive in particular has grown just explosively over the past few years to provide um, directed services to LGBT homeless youth in the Bear County area. Um, and also we do give uh, uh, scholarships uh, for theater arts students from the area who are pursuing four year degrees at various institutions of higher learning. And those are four-year renewable scholarships oh, wow. as well. So, um, we had a standard set at $5,000. So that was, you know, potentially a $20,000 scholarship wow. over four years. And last year, we also had a great year. So we were also able to double that amount. So each of those renewing scholars and the new scholar got $10,000. Wow. So how much, how much is uh, sort of the average um, amount raised per year? Um, back in the early 2000s, it was probably around $100,000. Now it's a little over $200,000 a year, between two hundred and two hundred and ten thousand. dollars and $10,000. That's great. And, and sort of how does that break down from sponsors and ticket sales and it's, it's almost all ticket sales. So the sponsors right? will sponsor the skit, right? And so that offsets production costs for the individual skits, whether it's costumes or props or what have you. And then the excess from the skits goes into the kitty for the, you know, the overall coordination. But most of what drives our, our donations is ticket sales. So you alluded to earlier, the tables that we sell every year, well, each one of those tables is over a thousand dollars and we have 36 tables over the run of the show. So that shows you that we're able to generate a, a huge amount of revenue uh, from those kind of specialized ticket sales, whether it's the tables or the boxes or the, the corny angels. And as King Anchovy, what is your role in, in, in corniation for the year that you're anchovy? Um, you know, so we try not to be prescriptive with it, right? So every year we get together and we try to think of who, who is who's given back to the community, who's established a track record of, of um, helping in some way, whatever that way it is, that they've made a name for themselves, that they've established themselves as someone who's a supporter of the community. Um, this year, I was not my choice. <laughs> it was someone else, it was my vote. But whoever it is that we picked for this that particular year, um, 
it, we, we try not to be prescriptive about what they have to do or don't have to do. They make their anchovy ship their own. So you have somebody like Charlie Biedenhorn, who has a very personal collect connection with the mission of our charitable organizations, and so made it an effort to kind of get out into the public space, do interviews, do media, visit the charities, try to, to promote their work as much as possible, right, to get familiar with it himself and promote it among his, his peer group. Uh, Mindy Miller-Hill, Last year, you know, she, she did uh, LLS Woman of the Year um, for, uh, for uh, in honor of her father uh, who passed. And so she kind of like, uh, we already knew she would just take on the mission and really just bite into it and, and really make as much of it as she could. And, you know, much as expected, that was exactly what she did, getting kind of deeply familiar with the charities, with their individual uh, missions, with kind of like the specific way they delivered services, promoting all of that through her vast social media channels, her network and stuff like that. So each anchovy brings their own flavor to that year in terms of how they want to engage with the charities, how public they want to be in terms of out with, you know, the into the community, what have you. Uh, and really a lot of it is trying to expand Cornish to new audiences as well, right? Like, like I mentioned earlier, we want new people in the cast and crew, we want new people in the audience as well. So it's part of like a continuing cycle of trying to reach new audiences, reach new eyes and ears, uh, and try to, to bring as many people into that Cornish tradition as possible. And what was what was sort of your plan in taking up the, the specter of, of King Anchovy? Were you going to be in the community, work in your, you know, was, certain it things. It was more of promoting specific goals for specific organizations, which was okay. just about to get kicked off right when the yeah. shutdowns of COVID started. Yeah. So we actually had to cancel visits to different charities that week before there was an official shutdown. Because I mean, you know, many of us kind of saw what was coming. So that was that's that is the plan. Whenever yeah. we have coordination again, I I will probably be still be in the chair at that time. Be the longest serving anchovy, right? <laughs> uh, but the plan is to engage with like the Thrive Youth Center, Safe, Beat Aids, uh, and and try to figure out what are the specific goals they have for uh, the year or for the next couple of years. And so Thrive in particular, one of their goals is to uh, purchase and establish. Uh, a residential facility of their own in, in a home kind of like or in some kind of a space near downtown. There are some limitations to the services that they can provide in their current uh, facilities within Haven for Hope. So the ability wow. to serve younger San Antonio or younger residents of Bear County um, who are also homeless, that's a critical gap that they will be able to fulfill once they have their own kind of like um, solo facility. But that's going to take a lot of work, a lot of money to find that property, et cetera. So that, that's was going to be one of the kind of like hallmark projects to highlight and you know hopefully it will be and who picks uh, king anchovy you said you were one of the voters is there a board yeah, so it, there's a board of directors for for corneation generally it's uh ray chavez uh tom mckenzie myself some other folks we just kind of throw around names uh for people who uh have shown in some way in the community i will say if you like if you come around like asking that's probably not a good way to, to be sure. anchovy. yeah um so you know like i've got my thoughts on who some good anchovies can, will be and other folks do too and so we just we sit down and, and talk with it and um then we make our call and how would you describe ray chavez as it relates to corneation um like the patrofamilias right okay. like the head of the household yeah uh, I've learned so much from him over the years. Uh, he's a great friend. He's a great mentor. Um, yeah, I mean, like he's forgotten more than I'll, I'll know about <laughs> Cornish, right? But he's 
he's fantastic, you know, and, and he, um, you know, obviously he's seen corneation from kind of the very earliest days through today. So he's got kind of that historical context, but he also has kind of like, eat like uh, like a 10 ways to solve a problem ready to go you know it's like there's nothing he's never seen before maybe with the possible exception of the pandemic right <laughs> but uh you know he's a great person to go to if you have a, a challenge or design challenge a theatrical challenge what have you and and he knows everybody in the in the city too so that's helpful well what do you have to say for people that you know have heard of corneation and oh that's that's something different what's your pitch to them to come out and check it out for the first time when we reopen and when it's able to be attended um you know try something new you know uh, i think fiesta you know so much of fiesta is like uh, uh it's like arduous, right? Like Fiesta is, is, a, is a challenge, right? You go, okay, we're going to get out there and we're going to endure 95 degree heat and we're going to pay $10 for a beer, God damn it, you know? Like, but it doesn't have to be that, you know? Fiesta can be a pleasant, air-conditioned, entertaining experience. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I would say that it's, 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 it's refreshing. It's, it's like nothing else you'll see during Fiesta. And worst case scenario, your ticket proceeds will go to some very worthy charities. And you and you won't come home wringing your shirt with sweat. Well, so. <laughs> I, I love it. And that's what I always tell people. It's unlike anything else at Fiesta. And it also is nice to sit and watch as opposed to slog along, you know, Market Street watching the, 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 the parade. Only a 25% chance of a beer being thrown in your face. So. I've had none on my face, but I have had one dumped in my lap. So, <laughs> you know, that was probably my own fault. Um, all right, Jesse, thank you so much for doing this. I want to I want to start exposing some of the Fiesta events because it's fun to remember what we're missing right now, and they're going to be back. They're just not here yet. Um, Corneation's fantastic. The, 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 the charities that are benefited by this, you've got to think some of those, this is their big, you know, this is their biggest fundraiser of the year is my guess for some of them, and, and they're hurting right now. Yeah, absolutely, and so we've tried to – to do our best to promote the charities kind of throughout the, the, the lead up to Fiesta and during what would have been Fiesta this year. We hosted a watch party for Fiesta from a couple or from coordination for a couple of years ago online and encouraged donations. And, you know, like it's something that we continue to discuss as a board, like how can we continue to support our beneficiaries as much as possible um, in a time where there's so much uncertainty over, you know, I mean, and not, you know, certainly the charities are enduring the uncertainty we as, as an event are, but everybody who contributes to Corneation, you know, whether it's a cast member, crew member, sponsors, all of those folks are experiencing the same challenges as well. And so from top to bottom, it's kind of an existential challenge in terms of how we execute Corneation and how we continue uh, to, to, to support support our beneficiaries but it's it's a question we continue to address and you know as we get closer to november and there are some decisions made about events for this year we'll be in touch with everybody who's you know a stakeholder to corneation people who've already purchased tables etc and uh figure out where to go from here well um as it comes back, I expect San Antonio will turn out in bigger numbers for this next fiesta because I think people will be chomping at the bit to get back to it. Um, There's going to be pent up demand. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. That, that'll, that's probably going to be the name of one of your skits. <laughs> pent up demand. Yeah, exactly. All right. Or just Popovich not answering questions <laughs> for four minutes. That's right. That's All right, Jesse, good. thank you so much for doing this. I look forward to your reign as King Anchovy, and I look forward to Corneation. Thank you very much. I appreciate your interest and your support, and we'll see you in the audience. All right. Thank you very much, Jesse. Appreciate it.
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Alamo Hour. My guest wish list continues. Um, Coach Pop, I think one day you're going to do it. Shea Serrano, Patty Mills. Um, there's lots of great people we want to talk to, and we want to expose the city to what they have to say, as well as what we're going to hope is going to be an ongoing series on Fiesta and what we're missing at the current time. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Alamo Hour. You are all what make this city so great. We hope you join us next week. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash alamohour or our website, alamohour.com. Until next time, viva San Antonio.